our pastor, Pastor Mark Estes, launched us into this series by talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. We looked at what the Bible reveals about the Holy Spirit, his names and, and uh, the way that he operates, and trying to really get a grasp on really the instruction that we have and the understanding about the person of the Holy Spirit. And then the second week, we talked about the need to balance the work of the Holy Spirit with the Logos Word, which is the, the Bible. Uh, we need both in our lives. There are some who are so focused on the presence of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, they forget the instruction in the Word, and uh, they end up kind of off, off kilter just a little bit. And likewise, um, there are some who are so focused on the Word that never really take time to dive into the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We want to be both a Word's church and a Spirit church, amen? And uh, so that was week number two. Week three, we talked about walking in the Spirit. And uh, the, the, the revelation that came that week was really that at conversion and salvation, you and I have the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is resident in us, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and the Holy Spirit is alive in us, and we can learn to walk in the Holy Spirit. But then last week, we talked about the Spirit's life in us, and how uh, as, as the Holy Spirit is working in, in us, and and guiding us and leading us, there is really revelation and power and presence that, that comes in our everyday life. And so we're trying to press in in this season to uh, not just the doctrine or the teachings of the Holy Spirit, but the practice and the presence of the Holy Spirit, which I think is so important. Today I want to take it a step further, and I want to talk about being empowered by the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit. And in order to do that, I, I want to start with a couple of key scriptures that I think are really going to help us and the first one is found in Luke 24. I'm going to read from the New Living Bible. And I'm going to put it on the screen for you. You can also, if you've got the CBC app, you can find it there. Uh, you can also uh, just simply follow along in your paper bulletin. You were handed on the way in. You can take notes there. But Luke chapter 24, verse 46 to 49 says this. It says, and he said, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. It says, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That is the message that was proclaimed. You are witnesses of all of these things. And then he said this. You're not just going to be witnesses, but he said, I want, to, I want to unveil to you another measure, another work that uh, my Holy Spirit is going to do, and I'm going to need you to be aware of it. And so he says this, he says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. And if you're taking notes, I, I want you to underline that word promise or write it down because I'm going to define it here in just a few moments. It's very important. This is a promise that the Father made. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. Another word I want you to just notate. Fills you with power from heaven. Its source is not from the earth. Its source is eternal. It's divine. It comes from God himself. Second scripture I want to read is found in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 says this. It says, once... When he was eating with them, again, this is Jesus with the disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. The second time Jesus used that phrase, this is the promise of my Father. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Another important word 
to notate, which we'll get to here in just a few moments. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father, which is a, a baptism of power. So it's important to understand the words of Jesus. Jesus actually laid out, I think for us, some truths that many times the New Testament church is, is, is maybe a little bit unaware of or unsure how to grapple with or maybe you've heard some extremes or maybe heard some people say, well, uh, don't go there, that's a little extreme or uh, maybe you've kind of participated in a little bit of Holy Spirit teaching but then not really known what to do with it. I'm hoping today to put a frame around the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment and the presence and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in such a way that we can embrace uh, what the Bible says and actually seek an experience and an encounter with the Lord that would actually work and be relevant and life-giving and vibrant and alive for the 21st century church in Portland, Oregon. How many think that's a good idea? I, 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 I love these scriptures because Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to do something new apart from his Father. He actually ties the truth of the Holy Spirit to first the declaration and the promise of his Father. That's where Jesus starts out. I think it's very fitting for his entire ministry because the Bible says of Jesus that he only did what he heard the Father say. And so there's something about the Holy Spirit that he wants to tie to what the Father said. And so he starts by calling it the Father's promise. The word promise that he uses here means an announcement or a pledge or the divine assurance of a good blessing. If you were to walk into a church in the first century, Jesus had risen from the dead, been with the disciples for 40 days, risen back to the Father, 10 days and the church waited in an upper room, they were filled with power from on high, and then the church was really born and began to go worldwide. If you walked into any church anywhere in the first century, you would hear the first question being, have you heard of the Savior, Jesus Christ? That would be where they would always start in their messaging. That's where they would always start as a gospel center and a gospel focus, which how many think that's a great idea? We need our sins to be forgiven. But they would never stop there. They would always ask a second question. And they would ask it this way. Have you received the Father's promise? Have you received the Father's promise? Because Jesus, yes, was a gift of the Father, but the Father made an additional promise once Jesus ascended, and that promise was the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I believe, was particularly interested in making sure that the early church knew that the Father had announced and pledged something because he wanted them to wait with confidence assurance that something good was going to happen. They were unsure because Jesus, the one whom they loved and the one, by the way, on whom the Holy Spirit lived and dwelt and manifest his presence among them, when he left they thought they'd lose not only him but the power that he brought. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. You see, the Father has already made provision for my absence. And the provision that he made is not just in your comfort, and it's not just in your counsel, and it's not just in guidance, it's in power. The same power that Jesus operated in would now be available to all who would call upon the name of Jesus and who would make available their own hearts and lives for the promise of the Father. Now this is a, an important truth 
not just a truth, it's an important encounter. It's, a, it's an important experience. What is the experience? Well, you got to go back to the promise. What is the promise? The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me this morning? The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. Listen to this in Luke chapter 24. It says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. I'm just letting Jesus interpret what the promise is. He's the one who's telling us the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something about a promise you and I have to understand. By its very definition, it's an announcement, it's a pledge, and it's an assurance. When somebody announces something, it doesn't always mean that there's an assurance behind their word. How many have ever had somebody break a promise? Would you just wave at me? How many need healing for broken promises? Probably many. Because in our culture today, promises are not really kept in the same way that God keeps his covenant and God keeps his promises. When God makes an announcement, he actually backs up his announcement. He, he makes the announcement and with the announcement comes a pledge and with the pledge comes a confident assurance that he will do what it is he said he will do. I was raised in western Washington. My, my dad worked in the woods and he was originally raised in North Carolina and he migrated out for work many years ago, almost 60 years ago, and as he was working in the woods, he, as a young boy, I would see him uh, fixing up his lunch pail, getting ready to go to work early in the morning, and uh, as he would leave, I'd say, Dad, bring me something home. And he would always look at me and say, Son, I'll bring you something home. And uh, he'd go off to work, and throughout the day, I would think about it, and I, 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 would, I would wonder, what is the promise of my father going to deliver? And I'm telling you, every day, my dad would come home with something for me. One time, it was a Snickers bar. One time, I think he ate the Snickers, and he brought me a pine cone from the woods. I mean, I think he just, he always made sure to bring me something, because my dad backed up what he said he was going to do. And when he would walk through the door, I would run out the door and I'd meet him out in the driveway. Dad, what did you bring me? Because I knew he made a promise and in confident assurance, I knew he would bring me something from that day. I want to tell you that when the, when the Father promises something, when the Father promised the Holy Spirit, he actually sent his Holy Spirit. But not only did he send his Holy Spirit... There's a confident assurance that I have standing here and preaching the word to you today that if we ask anything in his name, he will do it. He is a good father, not like earthly evil fathers. And if we ask for the Holy Spirit, he will give the Holy Spirit. I have that confident assurance. Because it's his promise. Jesus was not the issuer of the promise, the father was. The father promised all throughout the Old Testament. Joel chapter 2 records a promise. The, the prophet could actually foresee in time and see a work of the Holy Spirit that the Bible says in Joel chapter 2 would be for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. It would be made up of a power anointing that would bring visions and dreams and signs and wonders. It would be something that would be miraculous. Joel foresaw it. Isaiah foresaw it. Isaiah actually looked forward in time and prophesied of a work, a baptism, a, a fire, a, a refreshing, something that would actually stir among the people of God, not just a select few, but the whole body of Christ. The Bible tells us of a work of the Holy Spirit that actually came upon Balaam and Gideon and 
Jephthah, and David, and Azariah, and Judah. The Old Testament is full of the working and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit would come upon a man or a woman for a season, for a moment, for a time, but then would actually depart because the Holy Spirit was not yet given as the promise. The Holy Spirit was there to empower in a moment. When the Holy Spirit would come, even as Saul met a company of prophets on the road, the Bible says he was changed into another man. The Holy Spirit has always been working. The Holy Spirit has always been touching people's lives. The Holy Spirit has always been transforming. But there's something that was different after Jesus ascended. Jesus said there's a promise that's yet unfulfilled. But you can have confident assurance in that promise. So the promise is the Holy Spirit. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus' words, comes to fill with power. The Holy Spirit fills with supernatural power. I want you to say that with me. The Holy Spirit fills with supernatural power. Again, just reading Jesus' words in Luke chapter 24, it says this. Powerful, powerful verse, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. The word power that's used there is dunamis in the Greek. It's where we get the English word dynamite. There's something about the Holy Spirit's work in your life that's like a stick of dynamite lit on fire. I'm going to just ask you a question today. Do you feel ignited and on fire by the Holy Spirit? Is there a power that's explosive in your life? There's a, there's a lady that was watching online at the first service and she said, I, she, she actually was healed during the service, her physical body. There were, there were three people that we prayed for in the early service this morning for their left hip. I, I just had a word of knowledge for people that needed their left hip healed. And all three of them said, I felt the power of God touch my hip and something happened. I believe there's a dimension of God that's a, a power anointing. A power anointing. That's not... Daryl getting emotionally excited, it's actually founded in the promise of the Father that's got deep doctrinal roots, that's, that's actually been present for decades upon decades upon decades, that's backed up with the assurance of God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and he's actually declaring to us, if you would ask, I would give my Holy Spirit to you. I wonder how many creative miracles we don't partake of because we don't access the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I wonder what miraculous uh, uh, gospel witness moments of encounter we could have if we'd simply say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. What does the word power mean? It's, it means physical power. It means force. Force is like, like I got run into by something. I, I got hit by something. I was reading some historians who write about the power of the Holy Spirit and oftentimes they say that in revival meetings or meetings where the Holy Spirit is welcome and presence people people actually come under such a force and a power their physical bodies many times can't even stand under the anointing of the Holy Spirit there's a weight there's a, a glory there's a kabod in Hebrew there's a, a weightiness that comes with with the anointing of the Holy Spirit that if we would simply say Holy Spirit come I wonder what miracles could take place 
of physical power, force, might, ability, energy, powerful deeds, or marvelous works. The Lord who only does marvelous things, wondrous things, is, is the God who wants to send His Spirit to City Bible Church, to those that are sitting at home online right now, to those that are listening even a week or two later. The Holy Spirit wants to come and do marvelous works in your life. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fills with power. But when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus used two different words to describe it. One was the word filling, which would uh, parallel to the idea of drinking in something and actually being filled from the outside in. There's a, another term that's used that Jesus himself used called baptism. Baptism is surrounded from the outside. It's to be immersed or dipped into something. I, I don't really care whether you want to parse words and talk about filling or baptism, the bottom line is this. The Holy Spirit is both an outer work and an inner work. He wants all of you. He wants to surround you, fill you, overwhelm you, uh, dip you, actually immerse you. He wants to do something in your life, and it's a work of power. Let's talk about the word baptism for a moment. Let's talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What, what was it that Jesus was saying would happen? If Jesus foretold it, but then when he went back into heaven again, the New Testament church lived it out. So we have to not only look at his words and the promise of the Father, but then we need to look and see what it is the New Testament church experienced to give us a little bit of a model to shoot for. The early church responded in faith to Jesus' words, and the, Jesus' words were very simple, don't leave Jerusalem until the gift of the promise that, that God promised or the Father promised. John baptized with water. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So the early church took his words and they said, all right. Jesus ascended into heaven. The angel of the Lord told him, don't stand there gazing. Go into the city and wait. They went into Jerusalem, went into an upper room. Ten more days they waited. The day of Pentecost came. And when the day of Pentecost came, the Bible records what happened. You and I don't have to guess. The Bible records it. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven. I, I, I just have to say, I don't have time to teach it, but the Holy Spirit always comes with a sound. Anytime the sound is outward, oftentimes it's inward. For those that are going to this morning receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to hear a sound, you're going to hear syllables, you're going to hear... Uh, words in your, in your mind that you've never heard before, and all you've got to do is echo those things. There's always a sound that comes from heaven. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on how many of them? Each of them. Right there you have to be confronted with whether or not you believe that the Holy Spirit was for the 12, or if it was for everybody. Some of you in the room have been taught maybe at some point in your history that the Holy Spirit was for the 12 and for a certain season to birth the church, but I find in my Bible that 120 people in the upper room were filled that day with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. People from all over the world were present. The Bible records 14 different nations that were represented there. 
There were multiple dialects from different nations and people heard spoken even in their individual dialect, the very, the very tribal languages that they spoke. They heard them speak these things and they're saying, what is this happening? These people are crazy. It's like they're drunk. Why did they say that? Because the Holy Spirit's power was doing something in their life and it showed up on the outside. They were speaking in languages they never knew. No doubt some of them were even weak physically because of the power of God that was coming over them. The only way the Jews could describe it is they looked drunk would be to God that the Holy Spirit would so touch our lives that people would look at us and say, something's radically different. You look, you look inebriated in the Holy Spirit. Like something powerful, something beyond you is happening. I want to be asked, are you, are you crazy? That's what I want people to say to me. Are you crazy? Yes. Crazy in the Holy Spirit. Crazy for power. Crazy, not power for power's sake, power for the kingdom of God's sake. The promise of the Father was power to do His commands, which is, by the way, the very first definition of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is the enduing with power to do the commands of Christ. You want to be a, a gospel witness, a better husband, a better wife, better parent, better college student? You want to grow to be the man or woman of God that you're called to be, not just in character, but in kingdom influence? You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need a new level of the Spirit's power working in your life. And by the way, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Come on, church, we're, we're in a, a new day, pressing in, saying, Holy Spirit, who are you? What do you want? Do a work in my life. We've answered the question who he is. Now we're saying, come. Come not just in idea, come in power. Come in guidance, come in, come in your will, come in your way. Jesus said this, Luke 24, Behold, I send the promise of my Father, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power, from on high, the word do" means to sink into a garment. It means to array or to clothe with or to put on or to invest in. The Holy Spirit wants to invest in City Bible Church today. You're endued with power. Sink into a new coat. How many have ever put on a garment that just feels so good? Just like, man, this thing is fit for me. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He wants to come and clothe you. So it's an enduing with power, but not only that, it is an experience that's distinct from conversion. Salvation. Yes, the Spirit of God comes alive in you and dwells within you. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. He will guide you. He will lead you. He will speak to you. He will, he will work in your life. But I want to tell you, all throughout the New Testament, the disciples would, would go into a city where maybe somebody else had already preached the gospel, found a group of disciples who were already saved. In fact, it happened as, as Philip preached in Samaria in Acts 8. 
preached in Samaria. Some people got saved. They even got delivered from demonic forces. The apostles heard of it and they sent Peter and John. And when Peter and John got there, they just asked a simple question. Have you received the promise of my father? And they said, we, we've not. They laid hands on them after their conversion. We don't know how many days passed. We don't know how many weeks passed. But the Holy Spirit filled them baptized them, empowered them, they spoke in tongues, something dramatic and powerful began to happen in that moment that did not happen at salvation. We often don't take enough time to stop and recognize this reality that we need not only salvation, but we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need a power anointing. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us and actually move us into a dimension that's beyond natural living. Yes, he's already saved many of you from your sins. But have you received the Father's promise? It's an experience that's distinct from conversion. The third thing is that it's an experience that you can know whether you've received or not. You can know if you have received it. And if you're sitting there saying right now, I, I don't know if I've ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, Again, all we can do is look in Scripture and, and try to discern what is the most common ways that people were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, Paul asked the disciples in Ephesus, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we haven't even heard of whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul prayed for them. He laid hands on them, and they began to speak in another language. They begin to speak in tongues. The Hebrew word is glossolalia. It's, it's a, another language made up of syllables, and it's an entire language that they did not know. Maybe you've never spoken in tongues before. Maybe you've never had the Holy Spirit release your tongue. Why would I even want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? The Bible says, Paul told the church in Corinth, pray in the Spirit and pray with understanding. It actually enlarges your prayer language. In the book of Acts, when they spoke in tongues, the Bible says that they heard them glorifying God, which, which is a language of worship. So it's a language of prayer. It's also a language of worship. I don't know about you, but my own experience actually takes me into moments of prayer where I'm praying for my neighbor who's dealing with suicidal tendencies, and I start pacing the floor, and I don't know what to pray. I've prayed everything I can possibly pray in English. I've come to the end of my natural self. I've counseled, I've supported, I've taken to the doctor, I've done everything I can do, and I'm pacing and praying, and pacing and praying, and then I'll begin to pray in tongues. I'll pray in a language that I've never been taught, and I'll start praying in the Spirit, and as I start praying in the Spirit, something begins to work in me, and I know I'm actually praying the will of the Father. I'm praying in, in a language I don't even know, and it's a language that only the Father knows, and as He's listening, we're actually communing on a level called the Holy Spirit that I could not have prayed for apart from the baptism and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. You've got to ask yourself the question, have I ever walked in that kind of power? I was in India many years ago, and I was praying for a whole conference, a room full of people, there were thousands of people, and I, I, was, I was leading that group into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and a man came down to the front, I felt drawn to him, and I, I got off the stage, and I went to him, and 
I, I recognized the tongue that he was praying, and he was praying in Hindi, which is their national language. And as he was praying in Hindi, I said, I want you to stop praying in Hindi. I told the interpreter, and the interpreter told him, because he didn't speak English. The interpreter said, don't pray in Hindi anymore. It's time to pray in tongues. I prayed for him one more time, laid my hands on him, and he started to pray, and he prayed in perfect English. And this is what he said. I am now a completed man. I love you, Lord. 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 And he started to magnify God in a language that he never knew before. I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit baptizes in power. He'll release languages that give you a joyful new connection to God. He'll deepen your worship life and your prayer life. And he'll fill you with power. In Acts 4, a room shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. I read about early revivalists in the 1800s and how in meetings like this, when people responded and just simply said, fill me with the promise of the Father, people started to feel heat, weakness. Some started to weep. Some started to hear languages and speak in language. Some felt a shaking and a trembling. Some felt an overwhelming sense of peace come down over them, and they didn't shake or tremble. They were just calm, but they went into such a state of peace and comfort that they knew the Holy Spirit was present. I, I want to tell you today that whether you read the Bible and a house was shaken, or read the Bible and somebody spoke in tongues, or read a revivalist of history and people encounter the presence of God for decades and even thousands of years, people have been encountering the promise of the Father. People have been encountering the, pro the, the promise of the Father. The last thing I'll say to you this morning before we actually move into a time of prayer and ministry is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience that you can have many times. I don't want you to get hung up on the, the difference between the word baptism and filling. I just want you to understand that the New Testament church, even though they were born in an upper room, relied on, spent time focusing on, showed themselves as people with a desperate need and a conviction and practice of the Holy Spirit's baptism and filling in their life over and over and over and over again. Paul told the church in Ephesus, he said, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be continually filled with the Spirit. Just over and over and over and over again. I, I, I'm here to tell you today that if, if you try to pigeonhole the Holy Spirit and say, well, this is, this is how he works and this is the formula and this is how the, you're going to miss what the New Testament teaches. The Father promised, the Holy Spirit came, and then the church lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one time he came and shook, another time he came and baptized, another time he came and liberated. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do is what we need to be open to receive. Holy Spirit, just touch my life. Holy Spirit, fill my life. 
and do something in me. I actually believe that the church of Jesus Christ should be the most powerful institution on the planet. People, people who encounter followers of Jesus should encounter miracles. People should have demonic forces leave them because no, no Walter and Robin, not, not Daryl and my wife Michael, but all of us. Not pastors Mark and Susan, all of us filled with the Holy Spirit, full of power, full of confident assurance that what the Father promised, He will back up and do. We get into circumstances when we don't know what to do, we just stop and pray in tongues. We just pray in tongues. Get the mind of God. Get a word of knowledge. Get a word of wisdom. Step out of where we are and actually with boldness say, there's a river of life in me. And this thing is going to flow and you're going to be refreshed and you're going to be set free and your life is going to change. That becomes our declaration. I'm here to tell you there's power in your hands. For those of you that are full of the Holy Spirit right now, there's power in your hands. There, there's an anointing to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover. What we need is to just take the lid off. We got to take the lid off and let the river begin to flow in a fresh way. Have not, not confidence in yourself. I hear people say when they're counseling people from time to time, I just don't know what else to say. Fine, start praying in tongues. Get a hold of God. Start laying hands on a few people. Start believing God that he's going to intervene, that he's going to give a word of wisdom. He's going to bring the breakthrough and actually start tapping into some power. Tapping into some power.